Because my 9-11 was Kanye putting George W. Bush on blast. See, I thought that, but I didn't (laughs) say it. Yes. So you can't say that I do a lot. I'm sorry. When I let that one go I hear your thoughts in my head. (laughs) I hear that. So you may not say it out loud, but I can hear it on the Wonder Twin psychic link. And that also makes you a shitty person. I'm just a real person who says it out loud. I'm not sneaky like Dave. (laughs) There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find, centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay, and I'm joined by Dave. Hello. And Casey. I am Casey, and I did this. (laughs) Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. Casey, what's this month's theme? We are out of time and out of control. It's time travel, baby. Woo! I guess that's the sound I would make when I was traveling through time. Wee! <laughs> yeah. That's the sound I'd make. Oh, <laughs> I'd go, oh. That'd probably be it. <laughs> Last week, Jade graced us with Time Cop 2, The Berlin Decision, and I met my future ex-torso. This week, Dave... <laughs> You did something a little different. What did you bring for us? Look, just because the month is out of time, that doesn't mean it always has to be time travel. It doesn't need to be deliberate. I wanted to change things up a little bit. So I went with a movie that has more of a Groundhog's Day effect, where one person is continuously looping through the same section of time. It still counts, and, you know, we got to get some variety. So from 2020, starring Frank Grillo, we watch Boss Level. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how you can't love this. It was delightful. All right, Dave, we're going to need an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less. Here's your setup. Like most mornings, you wake up being attacked in your 100-story New York apartment. Damn it. Escaping from the rockets, which are about to blow up, you jump from the window, expecting to see a nice truck full of soft pillows. Instead, there's nothing but cold, hard concrete. In the 10 seconds it it takes for you to fall and turn into liquid, sell us on this movie. Grillo's Groundhog's Day with guns and grenades till he murders Mel and saves his ex. Four seconds, and I think you nailed it with some beautiful alliteration. That was actually a work of art. I didn't know that we were doing poetry. I would put that under, like, two accurate titles. Two accurate (laughs) taglines, like, well, no, they don't need to watch it. No, we can't use that. Yes, it's it's perfect, but we can't use it. This is a violent Groundhog's Day, which, by the way, in my personal head canon, this absolutely happened in some of the loops we don't get to see in Groundhog's Day. He just murdered oh, yeah. the whole <laughs> time. He's there for like a thousand years or something. I just wanted to see what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, watch the end of the movie a couple times. That is a man who has watched the light go out of all of their eyes many, many times. Uh, so case I've just leaped out of my apparently hundredth story window. I don't know how I thought a truck full of pillows was going to help me in this anyways. They don't leave the tops open on the trucks that transport pillows. And I'm a hundred stories up anyways. It was a really bad plan. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm, 
Uh, as I'm plummeting towards the ground, you're actually driving up the street right now, and, you know, some quick math, it looks like this is going to work out poorly, and I'm going to hit your car. Um, so in the 10 seconds before I absolutely demolish the front end of your car, and you have to make the weirdest insurance claim of your life, sell us on this movie. When a hard-bodied drunk has to spend the day with his estranged son, the world literally ends. Five <laughs> <Our> seconds! <laughs> Technically correct. She's not wrong. Technically correct. (laughs) I was just like, wow, this guy really hates hanging out with this kid. His world ends every day. Oh, yeah. Somebody remind me to bring up the loop where he 100% gets the kid shot like eight times. Yeah. That's the first loop where he's like, he was so excited to find out he was my kid. I was like, yeah, some of those <laughs> went through just, you. They went through you, man. He just got shot a lot. Okay, to understand why Casey and Dave can just get these out in a single line, let's go over the movie that Shitty Cinema watched. Roy wakes up like he does most days, being attacked by a man with a machete while he's laying in bed. Cabo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Ladies, you've been there. Which quickly turns into hiding from the minigun-toting helicopter that appears outside his window. Uh, In fact, though, this isn't just most days. It's every day Roy wakes up like this because he's stuck in, like, a Groundhog's Day thing, right? Like I said up at the top. But instead of learning about not being a dick, it's about not getting murdered by a motley crew of assassins. I guess it makes sense, then, that Roy tends to get shit-faced before getting killed to start the day again. Yeah, uh, I very much understood that scene. (laughs) Worst habits. Oh, yeah, that's probably what I would do, too. Yeah. The retired Delta Force soldier met up with his ex-wife, Gemma, the day before at her secret job that apparently just lets members of the public walk around unimpeded. Gemma's yeah. working at a time travel. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. Hmm. Visitor uh, pass really opens a lot of doors. It does. <laughs> Gemma's working on a time travel machine called the Osiris Spindle, and Roy gets to be the monkey that she shoots into space. He doesn't actually get shot into space, though. He's also not aware that he's the test case for the time travel machine. See, Gemma realized that her boss doesn't just look like Mel Gibson, but is actually Mel Gibson. (laughs) It's a horror movie. Yeah. So obviously that means he's evil incarnate, right? Right. So she fires up the machine and sends a book about Isis and Osiris with some Christic notes inside it to spur the plot along. Couldn't she just have left a note in the book explaining what was going on instead of sending a cryptic message, at least like briefly? Why Why was the confusing highlighting? Like, should I be sending Casey messages by cryptically highlighting passages from Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, Gemma's love language is escape rooms. <laughs> I've met Gemma's before. I don't enjoy them. (laughs) CJ, if Gemma had not left cryptic, if Gemma had not left cryptic cryptic erotica, (laughs) (laughs) did they come? I don't know. Right, like, did you get my birthday present? Yeah, the Kindle copy of Blasted in the Ass by a T-Rex. <laughs> I got it. Stop sending me that. It's weird. It's really weird. Uh, Wait, I've gotten you cryptid erotica. You have Let's gotten me brother cryptid werewolf. erotica. How do you feel about it? Horny. Oh, See? <laughs> it took him way too long to answer. 
Not good. I had to I had to pay to turn off ads on my lock screen because that was the kind of <laughs> shit that was corrupting it. You cost me an extra fifteen dollars to not have that be there. Pounded in the ass by the flying spaghetti monster, as read by Dave. If Gemma had not left cryptic notes, then Roy wouldn't have missed his turn because he was driving and reading. Since he missed his turn, he was able to find a place to sit down and read the book, and that led him to his child that he's estranged from. In fact, it's actually his kid that thinks that Roy's just his mom's family friend. That likes to wrestle his mom sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) He knows they're fucking... Okay, but did Gemma know any of that? No, no, she, she did not know that would occur. You don't know, but I thought... Like, it was more than kismet that, like, Michelle Yeoh was there in the diner or the guy that had experience that would be able to tell her that or tell him that he had a tracker in his tooth. Oh, no, that was all just movie magic. That was just plot convenience. Oh, my God. It's so much (laughs) dumber now. I I told you. I told you it's from the Smoking Aces guy. No. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely not. I thought. Oh, God. It's because it's cool. Right. Roy happens to live longer than any other time, which clues him on that he's being tracked. Taking advantage of the fact that he gets multiple tries, he eventually locates the tracking device. After removing it, he lures the assassins out and gets to return the favor of being killed multiple times by each of them. Then we get this weird diversion where Roy realizes being a deadbeat dad is a shitty thing to do, which I'm glad that we needed fucking science fiction to figure out that. Well, you know, he's very dumb. Well, the Osiris Spindle has this fun thing where if it runs for a random amount of time, uh, the world just ends. Totally. Big explosion. Don't ask too many questions. Okay. The whole world. Yeah, everything. Yep. Uh, presumably, like all of creation, actually. Much more than just Earth. <laughs> this is delete universe. Try again. Roy decides he's not just content to be a decent father for a day and instead goes about murdering Mel Gibson a few times. So, mere revenge and doing the minimum fatherhood aren't enough to help Roy escape his hell loop. Instead, he has to save Gemma like an ancient Egyptian deity raised from the dead. See, that's how the metaphor works? Despite the is fact it? that. I yeah, didn't actually. <laughs> Oh, uh, didn't care about the metaphor enough to follow along, but we'll talk about it. Despite the fact that yesterday for Gemma, Roy was still an alcoholic deadbeat dad, which she absolutely points out. Somehow she marvels at the fact that it took getting stuck in a time loop to give a fuck about his kid is some kind of virtue. I can fix him. (laughs) I can (laughs) fix him. I just have to stick him in a time loop, mama. He's going to be a good father. It just might take like a couple hundred years. (laughs) Oh, also, uh, we don't know if you'll ever get out. You might just be turned into little bits. Gemma makes up with Roy so that she can finally explain the MacGuffin machine. Now that we've got some idea of what's going on, it's about to get interesting. The movie just ends. On a cliffhanger? Let me get into my voiceover voice, Dave. Okay, so we talked a lot about the Osiris Spindle in the plot of this movie, right? Um, And it is technically a really important part of the plot. And I say technically. Here's why. You have two components to this, right? You have the basic premise, which is Groundhog's Day, but with violence. Right. Right? Right. That's the premise. 
then Deadpool you have Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Then you have the techno babble bullshit that, that they use to justify how that premise is occurring. That's the Osiris spindle. Yeah. A shittier movie would have opened with all the bullshit about the Osiris spindle. Right up front. Right up front. Not understanding that we don't give a fuck about the technobabble bullshit until you give me time to buy in on the basic premise of the film. Which I think this did really, really well. You're fully on board and understanding this whole Groundhog's Day thing that's going on to him. And you've gotten a little bit of info on the character before they even start trying to give you any of the Osiris Spindle shit, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think the setup's quite good. It's a really smart way of handling this kind of techno babble plot. Right, because in the beginning of the movie, we get Frank Grillo immediately in an action scene narrating to us some of the events that he's done oh and, and predicting what's going to happen. And it, it gives us a good insight and it builds the framing of the movie in an action piece. So it's fast paced. It's moving. You've got a lot of stuff going on. It's a great so, hook for a it's movie. It's so fun. I would the first... not describe this as fast paced. No, the hook, the, the intro. The first six minutes of this movie are actually incredibly well made. One of my Absolutely. personal, I one of my personal like passions is telling stories through action scenes. Right, it's something that we've gotten incredibly better at over the last like 10, 15 or so years. And the way that this movie opens up with Frank Grillo immediately getting attacked and seeming to like dodge every hit. Uh, immediately like he gives you the idea that there's something going on and then the helicopter comes into frame and he's not you can tell he's not just great at kung fu like this man knows what's gonna happen what's going on here and then he jumps out the window into a truck and we get this brief flashback of him missing the truck and it's captioned with attempt 16 or whatever and now it comes into everything clicks together like oh he's looping where he's going through this that's how he knows what's gonna happen it's an incredibly well done sequence of telling you plot through action and then they put fucking narration over the top of the entire (laughs) sequence and you didn't fucking trust me to put it together and you shit all over beauty right agreed I'm so angry at the narration in this movie man you can take out all of it and the movie instantly gets so much fucking better it's not that complicated man we'll fucking piece it together if you're gonna bitch about the narration I'm gonna bitch about the basic bitch soundtrack as well where I'm like (laughs) if you could have done something a little more than a google search or just the first five songs you found on a Spotify playlist for your dad, I would have loved it. But hey, Boston's wow. always cool with me. All right. I'm that white. It's Boston. Fine. And they played it. Okay. So the mirror, the beginning and the end have a mirror effect, right? They, um, they mirror the, the beginning and end of the film. Yeah. And in the beginning of the film, they play the first part of the song foreplay and at the end, they play Long Time. And Foreplay is kind of a perfect intro to the film. I, I, really, the like, I really like the Boston in the opening. I, the, I, I, will, I will 100% I give you that I'm it is trash. a basic bitch soundtrack. But sure. it, I feel like it worked, man. We're just here to have some fun. If you're trying to class it up by getting rid of the voiceovers, then let me class up the soundtrack, <laughs> sir. Please. Okay, Please. what? What what do you think would have been better to put underneath this? Um, I would love like that. Oh fuck, 
I can't think of the name of the song. Classical song. It's like um, an aria where like it's the two women like. Greatest cut out. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Discord decided that was a pitch it doesn't need. Oh that yeah, song, yeah, yeah. I think that would be a great, and that's royalty free. You're welcome. I, I okay, yeah. I, I'm always down for some classical music over, especially when the helicopter comes into frame, bullets start ripping through everything. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, a classical aria is always going to be a, a a nice sequence there, so I'm on board with that. And I'm not trying to class up by removing the narration, though. I'm just trying to not be fucking insulted by the movie. I'm willing. I to was ass- insulted by the soundtrack, so you you die on your hill, and I'll die overlooking yours. On- <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. Um, I do I do need to apologize to the both of you though, because I do know there was a couple weeks ago when I first told you what movie I was bringing. You guys were on IMDb. And you were going, oh, man, Michelle Yeoh's in this. And, oh, man, Rampage Jackson's in this. And, oh, man, Ken Jeong's in this. And I was just sitting here going, like, four lines. He says two words in German. He has, like, five lines. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, lo- us not getting to see enough Michelle Yeoh. There's she never enough even, Michelle Yeoh. She doesn't even do anything like insane action. We don't get to she see her do anything. Really any yeah, No. At all. Like, I, yeah. Okay, I... So I'm, that's my, here's my main beef with the movie. And it ties into why we don't get enough Michelle Yeoh. We have these divergent plot lines where he has to go and spend a bunch of time being a dad and having a relationship with his kid. And if that would have been cut out and we would have had these great assassin characters spend more time hunting him and him watching him like learn and kill them as though they are a series of bosses and then eventually getting to the final boss level, it would have, it would have played on the video game theme better. It would have been a much better action movie. It wouldn't have slowed down the pacing and been this really confusing diversion that we didn't need. And nobody got fucking gives a fuck about the character. I'm here for trashy action movie. What did Smoke and Aces do well? Nobody fucking cared about the main character. It was just fun assassins. Let Give me, me say something, Michelle Yeoh's character arc. Should not be a montage, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> it's Come Michelle Yeoh. If she's not Jesus first Christ. Bill, you're done. You're done fucked up. You're done fucked up. If Michelle Yeoh isn't your star, okay, that's a choice, I guess. But Michelle to make her right. just a montage? Get fucked. Like, did she have a torn ACL or something? Like, you know how, like, when women are pregnant, they'll write them, like, to always be standing behind furniture? Was was she hiding something? <laughs> did she just have nah, a hip it, replacement? What happened that we didn't get to see her do her thing? I think it was just a, a quick paycheck, right? Like, it was for most of the, the supporting cast in this. So, like, we had... Uh, yeah, so we had Ken Jeong as the bartender uh, who works lines, at the diner. He had though. Yeah, he had actually Ken Jong had some actual lines, but it was still a very oh. small part. Michelle Rampage Yeoh, Rampage and, and Rashad Evans. Yeah, Rampage Jackson and Rashad Evans as the German twin assassins. You know, they have literally uh, they one of them says Ein, the other one says Zwei, and then they both say Drei, and they blow him up with rocket launchers, and that's it for their dialogue in this movie. They're everyone but Frank they use Grillo, them perfectly. His wife and like <laughs> Mel Gibson. That's, that's 
how many UFC fighters are you like, wow, I want to see them talk more in a movie? That's that's fair. That's fair. That's we just watched The Expendables two. Let's have them count in German and then die. That's perfect. uh, That's That's an appropriate level for their skill. I definitely agree, Jay. I would have liked to have seen a a more of a a build up to him beating the various assassins because it you know it is really just him getting murdered a lot by the assassins and then him instantly being able to murder all of them right there's there's like no it would have been great to see him like take one out and or take a few out and then get taken out by one and the tracking device idea was really clever and using the multiple runs to figure it out is a, a clever idea right so like they they have some really good stuff going on, and then it feels like we is get that this... clever? I'm sorry, that's a bold claim, sir. <laughs> it's it, okay. It's fine for an action movie. I'll there have fun you with go. it. Right. Sure. There you go. I'm a sucker for time travel and action, so you already have me hooked. You just got to keep me, you know, keep me going. Joe Carnahan, the the writer and director of this movie, I think he's very aware of the fact that with the exception of a few key players like Michelle Yeoh, the cast that he has for this isn't an exceptionally talented action team in terms of, like, martial arts ability, right? Sure. So, like, look at specifically that uh, the sword fight at the end with Guan Yin. I love that sword fight because you get a lot of character that comes through with it. He cuts Guan Yin's ponytail off and taunts her with it to show how good he is at right, it now. Right. And then he's got, you know, uh, they do a bunch of back and forth where every time he's got his sword to her throat and it shows just how good he's been. It's a really cocky, really fun sequence. If you go back and watch it though, it's really just about four hero poses with a sword and some slashy, <laughs> slashy between them. Right. It's not sure. a particularly competent swordsmanship. No, it's not. But it, it comes off well. The you're right. The fight is compelling because it has a lot of character. It's interesting. It's fun, and I really enjoyed it. Even though it isn't particularly hey, talented, it's not particularly good. It's just no. dumb fun. This is like the Cheetos of action films. And even the lead up to it is kind of interesting because he always has a gun and he can't hit her. And they never try and explain like why. It's just you gotta fight her with a fucking. A sword. That's it. That weapon doesn't work on her. Why would we explain it? Right, this is the assassin who, every time she murders someone, <laughs> stands and says, I am Guan Yin, and Guan Yin has done this. And every time her hair starts blowing in the wind, indoors <laughs> or out. <laughs> yeah, they just hit her with a fan. It's so good. And that the actress, uh, Selena Lowe, I think is her name. Yeah. Kills the delivery of it every time. Right. She's 100% in on that. Okay, so we, we mentioned the German twins. We mentioned Guan Yin. Um, There's Pam the Nazi. Y'all. Yeah, we have... Well, Pam... Okay, what? Pam's not a Nazi. She just uses Hitler's gun to shoot Frank Grillo in the balls. Which uh, is a, a weird Nazi thing enthusiast. to include in your movie. So I can I mean, only assume you've got to agree with some of their shit. Therefore, yeah. I, I, you're a Nazi. I feel like if you spend three quarters of a million dollars to own Hitler's gun, yeah, it's probably the safe <laughs> assumption. There's some ideological <laughs> alignment. I don't call everyone a Nazi, <clears throat> but I feel like that, if it walks like a Nazi and bids on auction items like a Nazi, <laughs> it might be a Nazi. <laughs> 
Pam um, was a lot. Pam loved her little rocket launcher. She um, did. I, I really liked Pam. I thought she was a fun too. character. The yeah. sequence when Frank Grillo blows up her and her partner with a grenade launcher. In the minivan. Looks at the explosion for a minute and then turns to Cameron and says, ah, they probably deserved it. Great. <laughs> Fucking love it. You gave me someone I love to watch die. That's all I asked of you. And Casey agreed with that. Again, fun sequence. Would have liked to have seen a bit more from her partner. Uh, the girl who drives her minivan around. Yeah. yeah. We got like nothing out of that relationship. And I would have liked to see more from her. All right. What about our, our two main villains? So we've got Mel Gibson as our as the, the big bad as running himself. all of this. Right. Yeah, pretty much as himself. They cut around the slurs. <laughs> I don't know if I love or if I hate Mel Gibson's performance in this. He tells a weird story about murdering people in Vietnam that's just uncomfortable. I don't. He I had don't. Kurt Cameron eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, it, it, that, it does. That's the only thing I can <laughs> say about his. He had Kurt Cameron eyes. And I think that's like now the male equivalent of Betty Davis <laughs> eyes. And I don't abide. Mel did have a line where he said, "I'd kill. I'd rather kill ten men than kill an animal," which was interesting. Um, I, yeah, I believed him too. I don't. Yeah, that was I weird. don't know why I did, uh. but yeah. I, I guess all I can say is, I, I he was perfectly believable as the man who would self-appoint himself to see oversee all of time. I, I bought that. I wasn't crazy about the. Meta references to Mel Gibson's public shit. <laughs> yeah, we. That's not really. It's not really the sort of thing you hang a lampshade on. You know, I'm gonna say something nice about Mel Gibson. He had a beard. He, did, he had a really nice beard in this movie. I just said he had a beard. <laughs> you said nice. He had a beard, ladies and gentlemen. Now, where's my award? I think it's a pretty nice beard. I did buy him as a megalomaniac dictator. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's yeah. believable as a cartoonishly over-the-top villain. Absolutely. Um, and so, his monologuing is pretty fun. So, I mean, I felt uncomfortable when he was that close to Naomi. What's her face? Naomi, Naomi Watts. Watts. Absolutely. I yeah. was uncomfortable for her. Right. So, I mean, like, I guess is that acting? Well, or was that part documentary? I don't know. <laughs> but I wouldn't want him to be talking that intensely about murdering people and sitting that close to me while smoking a cigar in close quarters. You're just a dick. However, if you're going to have a cartoonishly over-the-top snidely whiplash villain, you need a somewhat more straight man henchman to kind of balance things out, which we did here played by Will fucking Sasso. Okay, oh I my wish God. I got more Iago the parrot out of him. <laughs> I feel like he was too straight, and he needed any Iago. Right, like he's he's mostly just a straight man villain. I it's like you know what this reminded me of that SNL skit about waiting for the beat to drop, where uh God who's the guy where Andy Samberg's the DJ and he just never drops the beat. That was me waiting oh, yeah. for Will Sasso to crack a <laughs> fucking joke, and then he just dies and never does. It's like when your youth pastor is in a really shitty mood and is being mean to everyone. You're like, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. You're not allowed to do this. Like, You need to go home or something. I don't like this. 
hot take on this podcast i loved will sasso in this he's my favorite fucking character it's it's not bad like i think he did really well it's just the man has established such a specific role he takes that it was weird but i've i've watched this movie multiple times and after i got over that it's pretty good actually yeah i agree with you listen it's not my fault that every time i see him i smile okay (laughs) so like Please, Will Sasso, please don't ever take like a Sophie's Choice role or something like that or like on <laughs> Golden Pond because like I'm going to be smiling and crying. Right. Like legitimately some of the best jokes in this movie are coming from Will Sasso. Like uh, on one of the loops when Roy decides he's just going to ram his car through the gate and he just crashes into the cement and Will Sasso walks up and says, that was a good plan and shoots him in the head. <laughs> I laugh my ass off. Or on a different loop when Frank decides he doesn't want to wait for them to murder him and just shoots himself in the head and right in front oh, of him. Oh, yes. Yeah. And Will just looks yeah. at him and says, that was weird. That was Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah that was a... perfect. I, I'm really glad they had Will Sasso for that role in that moment because he fucking killed it. So this movie is kind of based like a, a video game. You know, you're kind of just like stuck watching your brother play a video game over yeah. and over. <laughs> so he keeps doing the same run until he learns things and then, you know, changes. I Listen, this is all fine and great. I want to see the Mario speed run. Like that would be me. That would be the first. <laughs> Once I realize like I can't die and this is a game, I'm going to do that fucking like Japanese school kid level of perfection. I'm going to be a Russian gymnast of just backflipping my way to murder Mel Gibson. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> that I would be, s- you've seen me do it. I have. I love speed running. I want to see Casey's version of this movie where she, I, you know, like I guess Jay's the one st- that she needs to be saved from Mel Gibson, right? And Casey comes sprinting into the room, slides under the desk, stabs Mel Gibson, stands up, looks at her watch and goes, fuck, no, I know I can do better. And then just stabs herself in the throat (laughs) and starts again. Beheads myself. Absolutely. Oh my God. Dude, you need to watch me lose my mind playing F-Zero X because beating my time on silence is a fucking kink and anti-kink <laughs> it's a punishment it's a toxic trait it's everything to me see okay i i didn't even think about the speed run runs through i was I thinking because uh there's an extended sequence where he just lets the guy murder him in bed every morning for a while right it's the where he's just given up yes. and decided he's gonna let this happen i think that's I, a symbolta commercial i wanted to see <laughs> Where are the Grand Theft Auto runs, right? Where he decided he's just going to go buck shit insane since nothing matters anymore and just, Correct. you know, murders right. random pedestrians on the street. Right. I would, not proud of it, but honest. It, yes. that, that happened. Those runs happened. Yeah, for sure. Why didn't I for get sure. to see them? That's a good point. I Case, I wouldn't have done the speed run. I would have done exactly what Frank did in the opening scene, which is have everything so memorized that I could just stand and effortlessly dodge everything and, and look like a badass while doing it. Because oh, if I'm going to oh, be yeah. doing it all the time, I'm at least going to be like a fucking Kung Fu guy. Oh, no. Okay. So I would do it like a Katamari run of like, this time I'm not going to use any weapons or this time <laughs> I'm going to wear a fun outfit. 
or this time I'm going to have to eat a banana at every new location. You know, like <laughs> just like something a little to add a little zhuzh to your day. <laughs> the banana one, she doesn't make it all the way. She ends up getting killed because she's killed over. Like I ate too many bananas. <laughs> and one of the assassins comes up. She's like, take, take my life, please. Oh, I feel Potassium cramps. <laughs> <laughs> I got to poop right now. I definitely think when you have gone through this day so many times that you've been able to incorporate pouring yourself a cup of coffee into your morning fight sequence. Right. At this point, yeah, you're just being a dick and should probably move on to the next level. Okay, to be fair, I'm pr- I've am i pretty much had that day working as a waitress for 15 years. Where I could pour my coffee around two hobos fighting through that restaurant. 100%. That's what I would strive for, that zen shit. I mean, if I'm going to be stuck in the hell loop, I'm going to at least be a zen kung fu badass the whole time. I do like, though, how many of the failed runs we get to see. You know, I would have liked more. But we get to see the sequence where where Pam honks on the horn, dun-dun-dun-dun, and then shoots him in the balls twice. Come on, that's fucking great. (laughs) She shoots him in the head. We just rewatched that scene. Because she double taps him right in the right. forehead. Because he's we like, it, it took me a while to get the timing down. You know, I, you're right. The, uh, the the basic premise of the film does work really well as a video game metaphor of him trying to run through a boss level again and again and again. But then why does the actual video game tie-ins that they wrote into the movie suck so goddamn much? Like, yeah. uh, all of the Street Fighter sequences with him and his son were dumb. I, it's it was yeah, I would rather watch Frank Grillo just beat up a car. <laughs> Where right, is yeah. that? Give me that <laughs> reference. Why does no one have the strength to do that? Just, me? just like one loop where he just runs outside and wails on a car until I the assassins about show that up and during, kill him. When we watch Street Fighter, that's true. Why don't I ever get, get to scene. see people beat up cars? I don't know. IRL. Obviously, that bonus level was a lot more impactful to Casey than it was most people in the Street Fighter <laughs> community. Like, it's a whole fucking mood, and I feel that bonus level at least <laughs> once a week. So it's not just that the movie does a shitty job of incorporating video games into its content, but Frank Grillo is also a dick to one of the video game employees that works there for just being passionately into video games, which apparently this movie is supposed to be pro, right? I like, mean, this is supposed to be a video game. Listen, Frank Grillo is the RC Cola Ryan Reynolds. When Dave first brought this film, I thought it was the Ryan Reynolds movie that's also a video game movie. And I was like, I'm just not in the mood for his smarminess today. Guy, yeah. And... I don't have it in me. And then it starts and it was like, oh, this is the same movie, but with a different guy. Okay. Okay. I'm ready for that because I just wasn't ready for all the witty banter. I just don't want yeah, it. That's, that's fair. Frank Grillo is not a witty man. Um, and I think the, no. the no. script is very appropriately tailored to his abilities. As it should I be. I mean, Joe maybe Carnahan he is actually, in real life. We don't know uh, him. But maybe. he doesn't, in his acting, he does not come across. Uh, Joe Carnahan actually rewrote the movie specifically for Frank Grillo after he came on board for the movie. And I think it was really smart and really well done because it's it's a good role for his abilities. 
All right. Well, I think we kind of already know the answer, but it's time we ask the question anyways. Casey, we'll kick it off with you. From 2020, Boss Level starring Frank Grillo, would you watch it again? <sighs> this movie wasn't all bad. It did have some fun action. It did have some gratuitous violence. It just didn't do it for me, though. I just... I kept thinking of other ways that other movies have done it better. And it kind of made me sad. Kind of like how you felt with Black Widow and you just kept like, oh, Jason Bourne did it better or James <laughs> Bond did it. That's yeah. what I was doing with this movie. So, no, I couldn't justify watching it again. Jay, how about you? 2020's Boss Level, would you watch it again? I really wish that they would have stuck to a single narrative. And, it, and it's unfortunate because I love Smoke and Aces. And I think that if they would have given it more of that vibe with – the, the colorful assassins and playing that up, this movie would have been up there with that for me. As it stands, I feel like it's a lot of a miss in the center where they get confused on, on trying to tell too much in what is a relatively crisp movie. It's like 100 minutes long. So I I don't know, but, but we didn't talk so much about the Challenger driving. There's some pretty fun driving action scenes mm. and there's a hallway scene with Frank Grillo at the end shooting his way down a uh, a hallway through a bunch of minions. And it's pretty great. Like, it's some solid action. So I think I probably will watch it again, but I'm going to skip the middle. I'm, like, going to start it, watch yeah. the beginning. When it slows down, I'm going to walk away and go do some shit, and then I'm going to come <laughs> back and catch the end because there's a whole lot of fun shit at the end that I really enjoy. So I guess that's a kind of a yes. Yes, I will watch it again. Dave... What about you? You brought this 2020's boss level. Would you watch it again? I have abs. I've already watched this movie <laughs> numerous times. Um, and Jay, you're hundred percent correct. You watch that opening 10, 15 minutes or so. You just start hammering on that skip 30 seconds button. <laughs> like you're trying to win the fucking lotto, man. And you just wait till something starts getting shot again. And you come back for the last like 20, 30 minutes or so of the movie. That's pretty much it. All of the plotting in the middle of it where they're trying to justify this dumb Groundhog's Day loop. Very dumb. Um, but this is just, it, this is a McDonald's Big Mac meal of a movie. It's not good by any stretch, but it is goddamn dumb fun. So yes, I am absolutely going to watch Bo Boss Level again. I'm going to, and I think you at home should also watch Edge of Tomorrow. We didn't really talk about it, but it's the same movie in sci-fi. And it's great. All right. The verdict is in. Two out of three of us can enjoy the dumb fucking <laughs> Cheetos movie that was here. And one of us is a stick in the mud. But listeners at home, <laughs> you watch the movie and tell us, is this worth a rewatch? All right. Well, we are just about done with Out of Time this month. So, Casey, what are we going to be finishing the month up with next week? Dave, I know you've been excited to get us to watch this film. So we brought 2020's Tenet. What is it about? Is David Tennant in it? I don't know, but we're about to find out. And I'm getting real scared seeing that it's two and a half hours fucking long. In the meantime, follow us on Facebook at sh.ttycinema, Twitter at Bad Movies, Bad People, Instagram at casey.cinema, Patreon slash shitty cinema, or shittycinema.com. Check the description below in the show notes if you didn't catch all that. And if you want to help us out, give us a high rating on Spotify. That wasn't Billie Jean and don't fucking sue me. 
in the meantime, let's turn out the lights, start the game over, and interrogate our dental hygienist, if you know what I mean. Huh?